Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joining today, please welcome Joey Hyde. How are you doing today, Joey? Good. How are you? Doing good. We are so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up. Um, yeah, so I, I'm originally from like New Orleans area. I was born a little bit outside of there. It's a, a town called Metairie. Um, I lived there for a couple of years and then I ended up kind of bouncing around all over from uh, Mississippi, Florida, Louisiana, kind of through those three states. Um, what I like doing grow up, growing up, um, I guess I was into uh, sports pretty heavily. Like I played football as a kid, baseball. Um, I swam for the swim team. Um, and then kind of like, I guess like stuff that I like to do outside of that would be, um, like I was interested in, um, like stand up comedy and stuff. I watched a lot of like specials like that. Um, I was into like rap music a lot. That's something that I am still like to this day, like that if I'm going to be listening to music, that's pretty much what I listen to. Um, and then I was kind of into like art as well. Um, I like to like draw pictures and stuff whenever I was younger and kind of make stuff out of clay. Um, I kind of was introduced to that by a friend of my mom's at one point, um, and just kind of was something that I was interested in. I saw like claymation type movies and stuff. And so that was kind of cool for me. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I guess, just for like fun, I guess, as a kid. <laughs> something with kids growing up is sometimes they always get nervous when it comes to moving. Was it hard for you growing up and moving and changing locations to where you were living? Um, I guess maybe at first because the original reason that like I moved uh for the first time was like uh for Katrina so Katrina hit our area pretty bad we were uh, living in Slidell at the time which is about 40 minutes away from New Orleans across the bridge um so that destroyed the house we were living in and we ended up moving to Florida um so I guess that move was a little bit harder than probably the following ones but I kind of got into the swing of it because um I haven't I didn't like go to the same school for like a, a consecutive year after I believe first grade. So we were pretty much moving multiple times a year from, I guess, whenever I was like four years old till about 11 years old. So it kind of, I kind of got used to it. And then also I grew up with a twin brother. Um, I think that us kind of being at the same like level almost, like we were kind of, you know, um, growing up at the same time and dealing with kind of the same things, it, it made it a little bit easier to have somebody there with me. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was definitely, you know, a little bit hard always being the new kid, never really feeling like you fit in no matter where you go. Um, and kind of like figuring out, you know, how to make friends and all that. But I think that it kind of has helped me honestly. Now I'm able to make friends pretty quickly. You know, I'm able to get to know people, uh, pretty easily and I'm not really, I guess it, I don't know if it, if I can really account it to this, but I think that that's, part of what kind of makes me kind of as upfront as I am. Like I'm somebody that really just says it how it is. I'm pretty uh, blunt as some people might describe. Um, and so I think to some extent, that's what it was is I didn't really have time to like play any games. I didn't have time to beat around the bush. It's like, I'm going to be here for like a couple months and then I'm out of here. So y'all have to know kind of what I'm about and who I am pretty quickly before I get out of here. So um Yeah. I only experienced moving once, uh, but that was from going from like one neighborhood to another neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But even when I moved and went to a completely different school, I had that same mindset. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm the new kid, but I can still get along with anyone. But right. it talks about being blunt. And I, as I've gotten older, it's kind of had that mindset where people can think about me however they want. I'm mm -hmm. as real as it can be. And if you don't like me, you don't have to be my friends, exactly. but I can be friends with anyone. And that's kind of like how I've grown up. You talked about your twin brother. Do you feel that 
he was basically your best friend because with moving around, it was hard to really make those connections because like you said, you weren't stabilized in one area for so long, but your mm. brother is that best friend of yours. Um, I'd say to some extent, it was uh, a little bit hard. Um, I guess just with all the situation kind of, or the situation we grew up in, it's hard to say that he was my best friend. It's, I, I don't want to, I guess the yeah. way that I'd kind of put it is, um, I, even though we're the same age, cause we're twins, right. I kind of always looked at him as a little brother. And so I, I, I guess I kind of took that role in a lot of aspects of my life where it was something to take care of. It was something, it was a responsibility that I had. Um, so I don't know if best friend, I don't know if he would describe us as that <laughs> necessarily as much as maybe I'm a little bit, you know, um, overbearing at times. I, I definitely kind of hold people to account and want what's best for them. Um, so I think that we definitely had each other and we definitely like knew under it all that we cared about each other, but we had very different ways of dealing with the situations we were dealing with. And um, it wasn't always so clear as like he was my best friend necessarily, if that makes sense. You talked about sports played a big part in your life. What is something sports taught you about yourself that you didn't know you had it in you? Um, well, I guess I can give a, a pretty good example of that. Um, in so freshman year of high school, um, well, I guess back it up a little bit. So junior high, I tried out for every sport that there was. I got cut from all of them except for boys volleyball in eighth grade. And I was put on the JV team. So really it was, I think the coach was just tired of seeing me get cut and was like, we'll put you somewhere, you know, <laughs> um, but we can figure it out. But, uh, then in high school, um, I kind of like started to develop a little bit more, kind of gain a little more athleticism because there's kind of that difference, you know, um, whenever I was younger, I was really into sports and then time kind of went by and things got a little bit crazy in life. And so I lost touch with that a little bit. And then in those years, everybody else is still doing it. You know, everybody else is still playing those sports. So they get kind of that edge on you. So kind of no matter how much athleticism you have, experience is going to kind of, you know, outweigh that. Um, but anyway, so I, I try out for the freshman team and there's no cuts for, for high school football at my school. Um, they're just going to put you on the team. And so I was like, I thought that was the perfect fit for me. So I went and tried out, uh, quote unquote, um, got on the team. And then I ended up finding out later that at that time in my life, um, my blood counts had started to progressively decline and I was at pretty dangerously low levels of platelets and red blood cells and white blood cells. And what my doctor said is I really should have been exhausted and I should have been bruising a lot. I should have been in a lot of pain, but I found that I really was able to not really focus on that. I was really able because it was something that I'd never gotten to really do. I wasn't really sure what normal tired for football, I guess, was. And so I was able to kind of push through all the workouts that we did. And I really like tried very hard. I was going to two a day practices all summer while having like a quarter of the blood in my body that like I was supposed to have. Um, so I think that it, it kind of, you know, gave me something to focus on um, a lot of times in my life, like working out and, and doing sports and things like that just gave me something to focus on outside of myself in a way that I could pretty easily see results. Um, no matter how bad things were kind of going in my own life, it's like, this is one thing that I know I can do right. Cause this is something that I've done for so long. You know, um, I started like lifting weights when I was about 12 years old. So I've been doing it for like 10 years now. And so I'm like almost an expert at it at this point. So I know that I can always count on that as kind of a way to always make, see myself improve. And it's something that like, it's like a box I have to check off in my day at this point. Like, it's like, if I don't, if I don't go to the gym, then I feel like I, I didn't really finish the day. If that makes sense. Was there any signs 
leading up to when you were playing football that you kind of noticed with doctors saying about your blood count and things like that? Or did this kind of come out of nowhere? Does it run in the family? Um, no, it's kind of interesting. So it is a one in a million mutation. Um, it is just completely random. It has nothing to do with genetics. There's no, um, outside factors that really caused it. Um, I'll tell you the name of it because it's, it's a, it's a long name you won't remember, but, uh, just so you're aware, it's called paroxysmal nocturnal hemoglobinuria slash aplastic anemia. So it was kind of two blood diseases in one. The, the first one is, uh, you can use the acronym PNH. That's what most people choose to do. It's a little easier. Um, so PNH and aplastic anemia and the PNH actually cause the aplastic anemia um so uh in i guess regards to the question you had about it did anything like were there any signs um one sign that we did see was uh my so i went over to my buddy's house it was like my best friend in high school his name's matt moore and uh, i went over there and his mom's a nurse and so since she hadn't really seen me every day then the progression of it was a little bit like she didn't see the progression of it she just saw me one time and then a couple weeks later and she was like well your skin's looking pretty yellow so like my face looked a little flush and it was like a yellowish hue um and so she just mentioned that and i was like okay like i, I guess that's just you know i didn't even i didn't know what to make of it i'm 14 years old like you know you don't think oh this is a, a a deadly blood disease that I've developed. It's like, whatever. And then my grandma noticed it as well whenever I went over there one time. So my aunt started giving me um some like iron supplements to see if maybe that's what it is. Cause I know that uh like anemia runs in the family. So she was like, okay, we'll try that out. And it didn't really help. So we went to the doctor's office just to do like a kind of a, a checkup just to see like, is there anything wrong? Nothing like crazy. Um, and the nurse actually, the, the, our pediatrician didn't even really order this. She just was like, let me just see and like checked my, um, iron counts like with like a finger prick test. Right. And so then she like realizes that it is like, like I said, like a fourth of what it was supposed to be. And then they're like, uh, we had left already. We're thinking like, okay, we'll go get like blood. We were supposed to go get blood drawn the next day. We were going to kind of make a day out of it. We were going to the children's hospital in New Orleans. Um, and so it was going to be like this whole fun thing. I was going to go to the Saints game with my uncle. Um, and then our doctor called maybe an hour or so later and it's like, you need to get to him to the hospital right now. You need to tell them what this number is and you need to get there immediately. Just go through the ER. I know the lab is closed, but you need to get in there right now because this is, this is bad. They didn't really say the extent of it and they didn't really know what was causing it. They just know this is not normal at all. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of what, what got us to the point where we started realizing that something was wrong, but there wasn't really any. I was, I was pretty asymptomatic as far as like, I didn't feel really tired. I felt like what, like I said, kind of like what I would thought, what I thought would be normal tired, you know, um, from junior high, I was going to school at 9am. That's when the junior high started. And then the high school started at 725. So I thought it was just like a, a you know, change in waking up earlier and, and all that. So I, I kind of just attributed to that and didn't really notice, um, I guess the symptoms that probably were occurring. Did you ever feel when you were playing sports, even after getting, finding out about what was going on with your body, that you ever felt like I had a like battle to really get to where I'm at? Like you felt like the underdog in a way. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of felt like that anyway. Like I said, I didn't really play sports in junior high. I was cut from all of them. And then I'm also like, I was always a smaller guy. I think in high school, I was like 90 pounds whenever I like started freshman year. Um, and I was like maybe 
five foot nothing, you know, like I was a little dude and I kind of always, and my brother was always bigger than me. So I kind of always had that underdog mentality anyway. Um, But then I think, yeah, definitely sports had to do with it as well, because, you know, I, I go in there 90 pounds and we got like D1 guys signing to college uh, football teams, like about to go play like for real. And they're like six, three, two fifty, whatever it is. And like, that's who I'm playing with now. And so um I think that definitely that gave me some, some level of that, mentality of like, I, I kind of have to prove myself. I mean, I say that for anything I do nowadays, well, especially mm. with sports growing up high school, you talked about, you can't get cut. I pl- play tennis. And mm. if you weren't on the varsity team, you're automatically on the JV. So right. JV, you have a hundred people playing tennis. And I'm like, mm. how does this make fun? I quit after one year because it's like, <laughs> it's not fun. But even nowadays, I think people look at, oh, your physical attributes and you're like, oh, if you're not athletic, you're not going to be good. And I always say, and I always use the gladiator mindset is I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. And so pick me less. You're going to regret that decision. But I feel like I like being that underdog because there's more you have to prove than I'm the all-star and I got nothing to prove, basically. I love that mindset. Sometimes we have that motivator. Did you have anyone that motivated you or, or was an inspiration for you growing up? Um, yeah, I guess growing up, I don't know. I remember being asked when I was younger, um, like who my, I guess my inspiration was. And I always felt like goofy saying this answer, but like Eminem was honestly my motivation. Um, like he really was somebody that I listened to a lot and I really connected with his like upbringing. You know, he was, raised with a single mother addicted to uh, alcohol and I think drugs as well. Um, And he was like, kind of in, like, I I grew up in trailer parks. I grew up with no, like water getting cut off, electricity getting cut off. Um, I'm sorry. Remind me of the question. Oh, my inspiration. Right. I'm sorry. Um, So yeah. So I started listening to him pretty young. Like I probably heard the first song that by Eminem, which this is not a good thing. I wouldn't recommend it for kids, but I was probably five <laughs> years old the first time I heard like an Eminem song. Um, and I really just felt like I, I, I could connect with him and he made it out, you know, and he had a really good way of, uh, I've kind of always prided myself in my ability to articulate and, and speak clearly and kind of get my message across. And I think that that's kind of attributed to that um, love of rap music and what it really like has always meant to me is that like, it's people that have really been through kind of the hardest things in life and they find a way to kind of capitalize on that and and make something of themselves despite those facts. Um, so I think that he was one of my big inspirations and then Lil Wayne too, like a lot of the rappers that I just listened to as a kid, cause I just really couldn't, I don't know, like now I have some different inspirations that are like college professors or things like that. But whenever I was going through that stuff, it really, I couldn't relate to a lot of people. There weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of people that I came across that I felt like understood me and understood where I was coming from. And so I think it was difficult for me to find that. And I think also, um, since my, I mean, like my dad ran out before me and my brother were born. Um, and I think that that kind of gave me a bad idea of like, of kind of masculinity as a whole. Like I really had a hard time really relating to any masculine, uh, like influences, anybody that was a man. Like I kind of, my mom would have boyfriends come in and out and I always butt heads with them. And like, just kind of anybody that like kind of challenged me, I always had a problem with that. And I just felt like, like I said, that I just feel like they couldn't at that time, I couldn't understand how they could relate to what I was going through. And I couldn't even really articulate what I was going through because I was so young and I didn't really even know all that was going on, if that makes sense. You talked about just recently that the life that Eminem lived compared to your life, how you grew up with single mother, 
through the addiction and all that and kind of changing where you are located. Jumping to where you are today, do you feel that the things that you saw through your upbringing has shaped you to who you are today and where maybe you're not wanting to repeat what you saw, but it's helped you grow to make certain decisions that you do make today? Yeah, I'd say 100%. I tell people all the time, um, my childhood was not like one of, of glory, of greatness, of any fond memories necessarily, but it taught me everything not to do. Everybody that I saw, everyone that was around me, they taught me a lot of lessons of what not to do with your life and how things can really go bad. Um, if you get caught up with the wrong crowd, if you get caught up in drugs, you get caught up, caught up with gangs and stuff like that. Like I, I saw a lot of those things pretty young. And so I think it definitely influences the way that I live my life today. I mean, I talk to my fiance all the time. We're talking about like bringing kids into the world pretty soon. And I, I just know that I'm not going to be the father that I had. I know that I'm not going to walk out. I, I couldn't imagine doing that because I know the pain that it, that it caused me. Um, and I, I just, like I said, I think that I just learned what not to do. And I kind of, uh, make my life in the antithesis of all those people that I saw kind of ruining their lives and hurting everybody around them. Like I really intentionally live the opposite of that and try my best to, I guess, make the world better instead of worse. You talked about how things that shaped you today. And I think a lot of people can relate to that because when you're a kid growing up in these kind of lifestyles, it's hard because that's always something that you're going to remember for the rest of your life and you're going to be triggered. For me, I had parents that were never married or they weren't together when I could remember them being together. Mm -hmm. So that has shaped him from relationships and even friendships and even family members on how I interact or how I am or how I view a relationship or a friendship. But I think that plays an effect because maybe people don't understand why I think that way, but they didn't live it like I did. But like me, there's things that you went through that I may not understand because you're the one that lived through it. But I think if you're able to communicate that in a way that you can, especially maybe your fiance, she's able to listen and understand, okay, you went through this. I maybe have to do something differently that maybe it doesn't trigger it. But that's what the power of today is with communicating and being able to be open about it and show vulnerability in a way because people out there have gone through something similar and if we're hiding it in especially with me being a diabetic i was like oh no one's gone through the stuff that i did i reach out to another diabetic they've gone through it and then you start that bonding sometimes we're asked that fun question what do you want to that dream job to be when you were growing up what was that dream job for you um, it's kind of funny. It's, it's two opposite things, I guess is kind of what I always imagine myself. So I wanted to be a rapper. Obviously, that was something that I was really interested in. Um, I still honestly, like, I write raps for myself. Like, I, I kind of listen to beats and, and freestyle a little bit just for fun. Cause I, I, like I said, I've always just kind of been in love with that art form. Um, but I'd say, Ironically enough, the kind of the opposite of that is I also kind of always pictured myself being in the military or being like a police officer or something like that. Um, I guess kind of because what I went through, I saw so many like bad things going on, so many people kind of ruining their lives and, and seeing people fall that I wanted to be like a force for good. I wanted to be and I wanted to be the opposite of the lawlessness that I witnessed. I wanted to be and it's not about necessarily like the the power that those roles necessarily hold as much as it's like I feel like I can do some tangible good with those kinds of jobs. I feel like I could actually, you know, like, I don't know, change things for the better, hopefully. 
It's interesting you say military. When I first met you and we were like learning, I thought you had a military background. Mm -hmm. Just from your demeanor, your attitude, the way that you presented yourself, you had a military background. So it's interesting that you said that you would want, you wanted to be in the military because now it, I kind of can connect everything in based on what you just said, but that was a year ago when we first met. So now it kind of makes sense. Now, what was that next path after high school? Did you go to college? Did you go right into the workforce? Uh, No, I went to uh, Louisiana tech for, I guess, I guess it was probably a little under a year and then COVID happened. And um, basically I just was kind of opposed to paying full price for online classes. Um, And luckily um, I actually had a, a person that, so weird connection. So my aunt who helped raise me, her, someone she worked with's husband was looking for a political consult or like for looking for someone to help him with his political consulting business. Um, so he reached out and was just looking for someone really to work on Excel spreadsheets, basically. Um, and so that's what I did between high school and college. And so I kind of had that connection with him and I'd kind of seen some, um, different, like I met a, a couple like politicians in Louisiana. I met some senators. Um, I met some like lower, like, you know, lower election type people. Um, and just kind of got used to that, uh, I guess realm a little bit. And so I reached out to him whenever COVID kind of happened and I was like, you got any like jobs that you need done out here? Like, he kind of works all throughout Louisiana. Um, and he's like, yeah, actually, uh, first, he originally offered a role to be a campaign manager for a third party presidential candidate. So I was like, wow, that that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like travel the country, like really do like a like do a, a pretty cool job, I thought. Um, but the dude ended up kind of not working out. It, it didn't really his his candidacy didn't really go anywhere. And so it ended up that he also had a district attorney in a small town near where I was anyway, who needed a campaign manager. So I went down there and with pretty much no experience, except I guess a little bit of working with other politicians in the past. Um, I went down there and I managed his campaign and he ended up getting elected, actually. Um, I can't take full credit for that because it was definitely <laughs> uh, the help of, of the, the guy that I was working for. He was really a lot more experienced than I was. But um, so I did that for a little bit. And then I tried to come back to school, but I had lost my tops, which is like a, a, a uh, like a thing, a program in Louisiana that um, uh, th- basically it's a scholarship program to help people that like make good enough grades. You get a certain amount of money, whatever. So I, w- I had lost that and I had lost another scholarship and I wasn't really making any money. I kind of blew all the money from the campaign in like one summer because I was just a dumb kid still. Um, I was like 19 when I was doing that. Um, So anyway, so I tried to go back to school for about a quarter and then I reach out to like my uh, family and, and tried to get some financial support, but it didn't really end up working out. So I was like, I got to, I got to find something to do. This isn't working out. I don't have the money to go to school anymore. Um, and my heart wasn't really in it anymore. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of bounced around. I went from engineering to marketing to psychology, like just a bunch of different things. Um, and they, they're all interesting, but it just didn't really, I guess, grip me necessarily. Um, and then I ended up, uh, so. I, my bone marrow transplant's father works for the company that we work for now. And, um, I went up there and met him and like, I just went and saw the family and everything and we were just hanging out and he, he kind of mentioned that that there might be an opening. And so, uh, that's how I kind of got involved in the job that I'm doing now. When you say that you didn't have experience as a campaign 
manager or even have experience even doing anything near that, what motivated you to kind of learn as you were going and try to show this person, I can do this job? Because there's a lot of people out there that they look at a job and they're like, I don't have the experience, but I know I can do it. But mm-hmm. you were given that opportunity to showcase it. What kept you motivated to do that? Um, I'd say something that kind of applies to this. One of my favorite quotes is sometimes you have to leap and grow your wings on the way down. I think a lot of times people want to wait until they're ready for something, but I don't think you really get ready until you have to get ready. Whenever you're put in the situation, that's, it's just what you got to do. And that's kind of been my, I guess, the way that I've dealt with things my whole life is like, yeah, things have been hard. Yeah. I've been through a lot, but uh, like, what else am I going to do? Like I'm here. This is my only option. I have to push through. I have to learn. I have to try. And then it's also that aspect of like what we were talking about earlier with like the underdog mentality. Like I was 19 years old. Everyone else there is older than me. They're all kind of looking down on me. They don't think that I can handle it. And so I had to prove myself. I had to you know, show them that I could handle it. And, you know, I definitely didn't do a perfect job. It was the first try ever, but I think I definitely handled myself well and and did did the best that I could do with what I had. Basically, what you have said is basically this. You rose to the challenge. Right. You took that obstacle and you overcame it. And I love that you talked about being young and then working with other people that are much older. I've had jobs where I'm like, I bring the median age all the way down because of these people have been working as long as I've been alive. And it just shows that the mentality that some people have doesn't change just because they've been in the same way over and over. And especially you going in there young, you bring fresh ideas, you bring a different atmosphere. And I think a lot of businesses need to take advantage of that. Like work with these people. We're in the age of social media. And right. like, if you ain't using social media, you're doing something wrong. Exactly. You talked about going through bone marrow transplant. When was that time frame around? So um, freshman year was whenever we started to discover some of those symptoms. And I ended up uh, going to, well, I guess I'll just kind of start the story back off where I left it. Um, so I get to the ER, they take some blood tests. Um, but instead of, so look, I have no experience with being sick of going to hospitals, anything. I'm a dumb 14 year old walking into an ER thinking it's something goofy. I have a, like some kind of like virus or something like whatever it is. I don't, I have no idea. Um, and so they usually, I don't know if you've been to the ER, uh, very often, but usually you, you have to wait a pretty long time, especially yeah. if it's not something too serious. They're usually like, yeah, go sit down. We'll get you in, in five hours or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, but this time we tell them the number that my doctor told me to told us to tell them as far as my iron uh, accounts were concerned. And so we told them that while I'm going through triage and then before we sit down in the seat, they call my name. And so I'm like, okay, I know that's a little weird because I've been to the ER a couple of times, like with, you know, people like my brother got hurt when we were a kid or, or whatever else, like, but they've been a couple of times. So I was kind of aware that it shouldn't be that fast. So they bring me straight back to a room. And then instead of doing a blood test, how they would normally do with like that little kind of like butterfly looking thing where it's this yep. tiny needle, they just take your blood and it's all good. They put a full IV in my arm. And so at this point, things are kind of weird. But again, I'm not familiar with any of this. I'm not I'm not understanding that things are different than what they should be. Um, And so then they run some numbers. They like run my blood and everything. And like my whole family's there right now. Like so like my aunt, my uncle, my three cousins, my brother, we even had a friend that we brought that was like one of uh my one of my uh, 
middle cousin's friends was there with us as well. We're all like making jokes, like thinking this is no big deal. And then they come back and they're like, okay, we're going to introduce you to your pediatric oncologist. And I also still don't know what that means. I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, I'm meeting a new doctor. Cool. And my aunt, I saw my aunt's face though. And it changed like pretty drastically. It looked like things had gotten pretty serious. And I noticed that, but I didn't know the extent of the, of the, of the issue yet. I'm still thinking like, oh, am I going to make it back to school for the Wednesday football game? Right. And it's Monday. I'm like two days. I could definitely make it. It'll be fine. Um, so then the oncologist comes in and they're like, your counts are basically, like I said, a fourth of what they were supposed to be. We're going to put you in ICU for the night because you need to get blood transfusions and that's the safest place for you to do it. Um, and so I'm like, you know, now starting to realize things are a little bit more serious. And then whenever she walks out of the room, my aunt kind of just gives me a hug and it is like, you know, almost crying and like not real. Not, none of us really know what's going on. Um, but they're thinking that it's probably leukemia. That was their original thought, which is, you know, very scary. Um, whenever you're 14 years old. Um, and especially after like, I don't know, I hate to say it like this, but after the life that I had lived, I was like, come on, I can't get a break. Like another thing, you know? Um, and so I go to ICU. I'm, I'm getting blood transfusions, all this. And they move me to a regular room. They do a biopsy. Um, so basically what they do is they put like a, a big needle in your hip bone and take out bone marrow and then they examine it to see what the issue is. So they ruled out leukemia. And so then I was let out of the hospital. Um, and then it took them, I don't know, a few weeks, maybe I'm, I'm trying to remember it exactly. It was maybe a few weeks to really figure out exactly what it was, because this is such a rare disease. This is not something that happens commonly. And I didn't have a lot of the um, like I said, I was mostly asymptomatic. So I didn't have a lot of the symptoms that they traditionally look for for this kind of disease. Um, and so eventually they end up coming up with what the what the issue is this whole time. I'm going to the, the hospital every two weeks for transfusions because that's how fast my um, blood counts are going down. Um, so basically what the, the what the disease does is it stops. So your bone marrow is responsible for creating all the blood cells in your body. It stops creating blood cells and then attacks the current cells that you have because it perceives them as a threat for whatever reason. Um, so my counts were just dropping so fast. I was going through, um, you know, like, like I said, every two weeks getting transfusions, at least platelets, if not blood and platelets, um, and missing a ton of school, like trying my best to stay, you know, on top of that. Um, so this is all happening in freshman year. And so then they let me know that I'm going to need a bone marrow transplant and they start looking through, uh, like basically they have a database. Um, it's like, uh, there's a, uh, I guess an organization called be the match. Um, and they kind of, uh, have like a database of all the people that have offered to be the match if they were, if there was somebody that needed their bone marrow. Um, and so it took them, I believe six months to find me a match. Um, and then March, I want to say I went in, it was like March 1st of 2016 was whenever I went into the hospital. And then I was in the hospital for six weeks because what they basically do is they give you chemo, break down your immune system to nothing, basically. Um, And then you get the uh, bone marrow and they like basically it used to be that they had to like kind of break into your bones to put it in and like insert it in different parts of the body. But luckily, things have kind of advanced since since uh, I guess I don't know exactly when that change happened, but now they basically do like um, a central line. Um, I can actually like show the scar, I guess. Um, so it's basically like right here. They put in a tube that went straight into my heart 
Um, and then that's where they put in the bone marrow and then it engrafts itself, uh, throughout the rest of the body. Um, and then it took a couple weeks after that for me to start to recover. And then it was nine months basically of isolation after that because I had no immune system. So I was wearing a mask. I had a HEPA filter in the room with me everywhere I went. I couldn't eat slice meats without microwaving them. I couldn't eat out. I couldn't go anywhere. Um, I was stuck in the house. I was getting fed through a tube for a while because the chemo had made me kind of reject any food I ate. Food kind of became disgusting to me because I was throwing everything up. Um, and so I was getting fed through the tube, trying to get enough calories in in a day um, to kind of build my weight back up because I had gone down to, I, I honestly don't remember how much I weighed but it's it's a terrifying picture that I have. It's on my Instagram, and it's a picture of me um, when I got out of the hospital and then three years later, so you can kind of see the difference. Um, but I was bone thin. I was bald. I was super pale. I was, like, weak and couldn't eat anything, and it was it was pretty rough for uh, those, those months. But, um, yeah, eventually, you know, I started to kind of get better. Everything kind of went went pretty well after that. I mean, the only uh, hiccup that I had was when I was in the hospital, I did get an infection, which is obviously super bad whenever you don't have an immune system. Yeah. I got up to like 103 degree fever and I was like hallucinating. Basically, I like didn't really know where I was. I didn't know what was going on. Um, And then they gave me some antibiotics and luckily that kind of went away. Everything ended up being okay. And then my uh kind of road to recovery was uh, was pretty uneventful from there. It was slow and frustrating because I just wanted to get back to regular life. I wanted to get back to being normal. I'm 15 years or 16 years old at this time. And I'm like ready, you know, to go back to high school and see everybody. And I made it through this thing. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much, I guess, the story of it. (laughs) Where you are at today, how do you feel health wise? Do you look at that and you've grown so much from it where you don't worry about going through that experience or having symptoms again? Do you kind of stay focused on the path forward? Um, well, I did for a few years. I was very focused. Um, like I, I started doing, co- like I was in college for a little while and I joined the rugby team. I was focused on that. I was focused on, you know, living my life, getting everything together, getting a good job. That's what I was thinking about. And then recently I've actually had some of the same symptoms again. And so my blood counts went down. Um, I started to have to go to the hospital more often. I was going once a month for a while. Um, it's luckily not the, same issue um but they they don't even really know what the issue is this time so that's almost worse because like there's nothing to blame it on almost but um they think that i was exposed to a virus at some point um a lot of times this will actually happen to regular like people that didn't go through this stuff like if you have a uh, if you get exposed to a virus you lose some level of blood like your white blood cells are fighting it off and things like that your blood counts will usually go down a little bit but most people won't notice it because it's not like you know something that they're thinking about mm-hmm. um but i started to get what's called petechiae which are basically these red dots that appear on your skin. Um, and it's kind of like little pockets of internal bleeding. They're very small. It's not like, you know, super scary. Like it's like a huge bruise or anything, but it's definitely something that kind of, uh, lets you know that your platelets are getting pretty low. Um, and so I went to the hospital, got that checked out and now I'm on a medicine that, uh, is, is slowly building my counts back up and I'm getting close to back to normal, but I'm still at like probably 60% of what I'm supposed to be. Looking at your complete journey that you've been on, the battles, the positives, the negatives, the challenges, the accomplishments, how would you describe yourself in one word? Hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> one word. Um, I got to make you think. Yeah, I know, right? 
Or if there's a few words that you come up with, maybe not just one. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the the first word word that came to ha- came to my mind was uh persistent. You know, I don't think that for whatever reason, and I've I've tried to figure this out. I've, I've talked to, like I said, I have a twin brother, and me and him are very drastically different in our personalities. And so that's kind of an interesting thing that I've always uh kind of wrestled with in my own mind of like why are people the way that they are? Because it's not just nature and it's not just nurture it's kind of a combination of both because like i said me and my brother same age same background mostly the same struggles i mean i had a bone marrow transplant he didn't but he had his own struggles as well he's still kind of going through some struggles right now um and so for whatever reason we handled things very differently and so the reason i say persistent is because for some reason, um, my mindset was always to look at everything as a challenge. I always thought like kind of what you were saying about being in sports of like, oh, you want to bet against me, then, then I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, I remember there was this memory sticks out of my head because it's one of those, you know, whenever you have like haters, you kind of remember that one thing they said. Hey, yep. there, there was this one guy. Um, We were living in a trailer park and he kind of got in my face one time. I, I used to be very, I, like I said, I always kind of. I say things how they are, and that doesn't really work for a lot of people. Not a lot of people <laughs> like whenever you're uh brutally honest with them. And he was very frustrated with the way I was handling myself. And he said, you're going to be a bum just like your mom. You're never going to get out of here. You're going to be a drug addict. You're going to be like nothing. And really, I think he was kind of putting his struggles onto me. Like, I think he was going through a lot of that same stuff. And he was a little older than me. And he was, you know, I think just probably he had just gotten tired of the life he was living and and wanted to put the pain on somebody else. And I understand that, you know, they say hurt people, hurt people. Um, So, but I remember that like him saying that and me thinking like, I know that that's not the case. I don't know why. I don't know how I always knew, but I like always felt like I was made for something better than what I was going through. Like, I was like, I'm not built for a trailer. And like, I tell people that now I was like, I think a lot of people are really good at setting up what goals they have in life of like where they want to go, but they don't know where they're running from. And I don't think it's good to like run from your problems necessarily, like face them head on. But I think you need to know where you don't want to go to know where you need to go. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, I am not going back to a trailer park. Like, I don't care what it takes. I'm not moving into a trailer park. That will not be my life. And no offense to anybody living in trailers. Like, there's really nice trailers. There's really nice parks. But the way that I grew up, the places that I was in, I'm not going back there. And so I just always... For whatever reason, I don't know why, but I always had that persistence of like, I'm I'm going to be something. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to take myself at least out of the struggle if I can't take my mom and my brother with me, you know? I like that you say that because it's similar to my story. And I just had the conversation with my mom just like weeks ago where we were talking about financial aspect and having divorced parents, you're living two different lifestyles, basically. One side, my mom, she was a teacher, but she was remarried. We had money. But then my dad, who was a firefighter, paramedic, then lost his job because he wanted to spend more time with me. I didn't have much money. I mean, he mm-hmm. had jobs, but financially over time, it just did not go places. But you know, the lifestyle that I remember the most? Mm-hmm. His, because right. we didn't have money. And I basically had a eat what we had and kind of live off of that. And that's kind of affected me today where I am always thinking about having that certain amount of money and I'm not going to spend, but I have to tell myself, I don't want to go that route. So I'm making my decisions and people are either going to support me. They're going to like me for that. And if they hate how I am, 
fine. You can say whatever you want. Haters are going to hate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It just shows that I'm trying to live the life that I want to. And that's exactly what you're doing. And look at everything that you've gotten or you've worked Mm. hard for where you are at a home, a good, healthy relationship, bunch of dogs. I was waiting for them to come into the room, but you are out there grinding and fighting and clawing and getting to the lifestyle that you want. When you are not working, which we know we both work hard, yeah. what does Joey like to do? What are you doing on a daily basis? What's You kind of talked about how music plays a big part. But what else do you enjoy doing? Um, yeah, I, like I mentioned earlier, I go to the gym usually. Um, and then also, I guess like I'm into like watching podcasts and still stand up comedy. Like I said, I'm really into that. Me and uh, my fiance actually go down to there's a um, there's a couple comedy clubs actually down on 6th Street in Austin where we're like pretty close right now. Um, so we've gone there a couple times to see live live shows. And we've gone to like I went into New Orleans for uh, I think it was my birthday two years ago. Um, and I went and saw like Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan. Um, who else? Tom Segura was there, like kind of some big name comics that I've always kind of loved and, and thought they were really good. So I got to see them. We went to Miami and saw Burt Kreischer. Um, then, like I said, I went to the comedy clubs here and saw some open mic, uh, kind of people, like some new, like up and coming guys, which I really like seeing too. Um, just cause you kind of see what what it takes to get to that point where you are like this giant comic where you're selling out Mm -hmm. stadiums and stuff like you see the buildup of like these people like they might be going somewhere like like keep an eye on them you know what I mean and I I love that like I like seeing people kind of like struggle like struggle along in a good way like I like I like seeing people push through things and make it through their struggles and um like you know like what we were talking about like maybe you won't be able to relate to everybody maybe everyone won't necessarily be able to relate to my story but something that like I always say is the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you no matter who you are so your scale might be different from mine but you still have your struggles too you still have your weight that you're forced to carry and I don't know what that's like and you don't know what mine's like, but I know that we're all, we can all be united under that struggle and that we all are trying towards something and all are battling demons to some extent or another. The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge? Um, I'd say just keep pushing. I'd say it's just, you just got to kind of roll with the punches. That's something that I, that I like to say is like, life is going to hit you. Life is going to be hard. You can't always expect what's coming next. You can't necessarily predict the future. And um, I, I, I say, you just got to keep trying, keep trying to be the best person that you can be. Um, I'd say it's definitely important to have a community to some extent, like whether that be family or friends or something that you're really interested in doing, kind of like we've talked about, like the different hobbies that I enjoy. I think it's important to have those things because it, it keeps you grounded. It keeps you, you know, connected to other people. And I think, I don't know, I think that's what I've really learned, especially in my isolation through my bone marrow transplant is that how important people are. Like, I, I just, I realized that I, I didn't necessarily give people the credit that they were due. I didn't realize how important it was to have people around you that care about you and want what's best for you um, and vice versa. Like you need to have people that you're taking care of too. You need to have people that you're looking out for. Um, and I think that that is, is a huge, huge aspect of what got me through what I dealt with besides, like I said, just, just pushing through. Well, Joey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we are excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks for having me.
Tune in next time here my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the full-length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.